This is Kayak Fishing Radio, and it's time for Yak Fish in Texas with your hosts, Jaron Wassel and Andrew Moxagimba. Join the conversation at kayakfishingradio.com or call the guys up at 714-816-4727. Now, it's time for Yak Fishing Texas. Here are your hosts, Jaron and Andrew. Welcome to Yak Fish in Texas. I am your host, Jared Wassel, and I will be joined in just a second by my co-host, Andrew. He is currently stepping some people through our chat room. Uh, but welcome to the show. Uh, got a pretty good one for tonight. I'm pretty excited. We're going to have the we're going to have the owner of Native Kayaks on. Uh, his name is Woody Calloway, and he's going to be also be joined by his partner, Shane Benedict. Uh, we're going to have them on probably around 8:30 or so. Come in, talk some some new kayaks for 2014, uh, so see what they've been doing here lately over at uh, Native, and probably some details on the Adventure Fishing World Championship that they just wrapped up last weekend. So it'll be kind of fun. Again, they'll be coming on around 8.30 or so, and then around 8.15, we're going to have Captain Phil Spencer from Team Ocean Kayak give us a call in, and he's going to chat with us, uh, give us some fishing reports for the Corpus Christi area, and this guy's been on some monster, monster trout and reds. A uh, little bit behind Phil, he's, you know, he's, he's won an IFA tournament series over in Louisiana. Uh, he's, he's a solid, solid fisherman. So uh, see if we can't wrangle some information out of him, and maybe we can all, maybe we can all sit there and catch some more fish with a little bit of utilizing some of the techniques he's going to talk about. So, but. Uh, yeah, so got a little bit of fishing in this weekend. It wasn't too bad. Uh, we went, I went striper fishing for the very first time. So and that was fairly unique. Uh, we actually, where I went was I was down below the Tom Miller Dam on Lake uh, on Ladybird Lake here in Austin, and it's it's actually a pretty cool little launch. You can launch from the uh, the far bank, and then it's a short paddle, probably 50 yards or so to get to the fishing ground. And where I was fishing was directly beneath the dam. The only thing I probably did wrong on this time is I didn't have a chance to time it wherever they're going to have dam releases. And if you're going to be fishing areas like that, that's really important to do because uh, when it gets that water flowing like that, it's going to activate the bait fish. That's going to sit there. It's going to create some current for the fish to hide behind uh, structure, ambush, their prey, and that's what striper fishing is really known for in, the, in those moving waters. 
So I did uh, – whenever you're – if you're ever out there and you're going to try to do any fishing around, say, dams or anything like that, a good way to kind of – I learned this the hard way – to go and practice uh, learning when they're going to do releases is – Definitely get on the local water, uh, your, your water area, like whoever controls the water around your, your, uh, your system, like ours is the Lower Colorado River Authority or the LCRA. And you can actually see times in the previous day when they did the releases. It should hold true for probably every, you know, it'll change for the season, but it should hold true from day to day depending on the water level of the main lake. So that's a really cool tactic that you can employ, but there is need to err on the side of caution when you do fish underneath the dams. There is a lot of heavy current. I mean, really, really heavy. I, the the release that they had yesterday was only like a, a 54 CFS release, which isn't too swift of water, but looking at prior releases, there's some water that can come rushing out of there in the three, four, 500 CFS level. And if you're not prepared... It, it can be rather difficult to do anything and can be dangerous as well. So it was kind of funny because I was down there fishing with all of my offshore rods and reels, mainly the casting ones, and I was in full PFD setup, rain, uh, you know, water jacket, spray jacket, everything, just to keep myself from, you know, getting sprayed in case it was going to be uh, release times. But uh, I didn't have any water movements, so I didn't have to worry about that. I was throwing a lot of, uh, I did get to throw, the, I've never thrown it before, but the, the head and company makes the chugging spook. It's kind of like the super spook, but it's got a cut nose and throws, spits off quite a bit of water whenever you start walking the dog. Uh, I bought it in, at Academy on a, it was an all chrome version. And basically the area I'm fishing is kind of like a six foot hole, uh, six foot d- uh, deep hole, but there's huge boulders all through the entire thing. So there's tons of cover for the fish to hide around, but that kind of make, you know, kind of makes throwing hard-bodied subsurface lures almost almost impractical, just due to the fact that you got a chance of hanging up, snagging, losing lots of money and lures down there. So if uh, I was told, uh, got a guy who likes our Facebook page and he's a local competitor in a lot of the local bass fishing tournaments, Steve Garcia. He pointed me in the way of actually going and using soft-bodied swim baits and stuff like that. So that's what I kind of focused on for lures that were under the water. But I was throwing the chugging spook, and I came over one boulder, and I tell you, I probably had the most wicked topwater explosion I've ever seen before in my life. It was an absolute bomb. Uh, Whenever it came over the rock, it just exploded, and I've never seen a bass blow up like that. I'm sure I never will, but this was the largest topwater explosion I've ever seen. It was, in my opinion, in fishing, it was reminiscent of an atomic bomb going off. So I know it had to be a striper. There's only, there's only certain things offshore that can light up a lure like that. And from what I've seen on YouTube, striper the same way, it had to have been that. I know I ain't going to catch no topwater catfish. So... Uh, but I had a, that was pretty much my only bite all day, uh, and and the bite on the lure actually destroyed the chrome off of the chugging spook. So I'm really distru- I'm really uh, interested to see how big that fish would have been if I if it would have actually hooked up, which is so weird because you can see the bite mark completely around the hook. So 
don't know. Uh, welcome back, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little late, a little late to the party, but that's okay. Yeah, no worries, man. Uh, yeah, I was just telling everybody about the striper fishing trip I got a chance to do underneath the dam. Uh, it's a pretty cool dam, dude. I mean, I've never fished below one before, and it was kind of cool. It's kind of you got a little island. It's a redbud island up by the dam, so it was pretty neat to kind of be around there and uh, and see what it's all about. And but I do know uh, I did see that the time release for the water to come out like six o'clock in the morning. So. Now I know when to target it, and then I won't feel so guilty about making my trip go the entire day. <laughs> I just do it in the morning. Right. So, yeah, but, uh, so I I did notice, though, also that when I was looking on the LCRA's website that the Mansfield Dam has a lot of releases, too, and I was reading up on some fishing reports around there, and they actually say the striper fishing below Mansfield Dam over by Lake Travis is even better. So now i got a couple of locations. This one's a little closer, but... Definitely going to try it out, Andrew. You gotta, you gotta come do it whenever we do it, man. It's, it's. I've seen some photos. It looks almost like semi, like you're fishing in whitewater. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's moving pretty, that fast from there. Yeah, literally. I mean, that's all. I said a little bit ago. You know, I was reading on some of the the past releases that they had on the dam. It was like, oh man, I, there were some releases that got up north of 500 cfs. Oh wow. It's it's swift water, man. That's why I, that's why I just you know PFD play it safe, know your paddling ability, and get after them. <laughs> that's the only thing I can even think of about relating that experience to it. So we'll see. That's for sure. Uh, I I gotta I've gotta time it right one way or the other. But I take out a play, yeah. take out a playboat and put a rod holder on it. <laughs> might as well might as well man I mean it's a it's a unique way to fish for sure and you know I was also noticing the, the photo that I got from the guy that was telling me about like the kind of how to fish it was you tuck yourself behind the rocks in the in the eddies and kind of let the the current keep you and you know it's not really moving in those little those holes kind of let the current let you sit there in place and uh, man I don't I don't know if I how I'm going to do that. I, I mean, trying to cut across the river with that much flow is going to be interesting for sure. But maybe I hopefully my boat can handle it. I'd rather have a propel drive for going around something like that. Yeah, make life a lot easier. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of boulders in there. Your your drive would probably clang off a bunch of them. But but still, you know, having the ability to keep my hands fishing while I'm able to hold water. That might be the next, uh, might run a boat and take out there, maybe a pro angler or even the, the Slayer Propel and take it out there and see if I can just hold water while I'm going. It'll be uh, it'll be unique, that's for sure. But uh, The beauty of testing a situation like that with a rental is always, it's a nice luxury <laughs> instead of having to do it with your own boat. Right, right. Just walk in there and be like, I want you to give me the insurance because I'm going to beat the hell out of this thing. <laughs> but yeah so uh that was pretty much the only fishing i got in this weekend uh probably looking at doing some more white bass this next weekend see if i can't load up the the freezer a little bit more uh you still haven't given me a time when you want to come and do that well you know this weekend i'm occupied with the houston fishing show so we have oh, that's right. 
That's right. That is going on this this year uh, or this week. That'll be interesting, man. Once you, yeah, so I know you've got more experience in it than I do. <laughs> and uh, just for people who are listening out there, why don't you give the background on the fishing show just a little bit? So the fishing show in um, in Houston is it's just that it's a, it's truly a fishing show. It's not a it's not a boat show. It's not a you know a gear show. It's mostly guides, guides and some small some small kind of individual gear manufacturers and some small rod manufacturers. Um, Flounder Pounder is always there. It's one of the, like it's almost like a sideshow act with him there every year with all of his antics of right. casting a rubber flounder on the ground. Um, but the seminars are usually pretty awesome. So there's, there's quality seminars. You see a lot of guides. It, it's just kind of a cool place. You get together and chat with people and get ideas. And there's, of course, we'll be there with kayaks and selling kayaks. That's part of it for us. But, I mean, it's a cool show to go to regardless of that. I think uh, I think what I like most about the fishing show is that the seminars are daily. But secondly, there it's not just a little small show. I like the fact that you go there, Shimano's there, G. Loomis is there, Daiwa, you know, all of those big names. And you can go and you can talk to those guys directly at the show, get information straight from the horse's mouth. You don't have to be around the bush talking to someone over the phone. And, and what's nice is a lot of the guys that are there, like the Shimano booth, those guys are the ones, they're, they're actually there. They're some of the designers. They're the field testers. They've got some of the pro staff there that let you know how they work everything. So uh, it's a big bonus for anybody who wants to go and find out additional information than just reading an Internet article or a magazine on a particular piece of gear. That's usually – go ahead, man. I would say that's a solid point, man, because that's something a lot of people don't realize. You go to these shows, and the people that are wearing the Shimano shirts or Castaway or whatever, they're usually pro staff. Um, they're not people that really work for the company. And then you're right, at the fishing show, those are employees of Shimano or Daiwa. Now, there's some pro staff, you know, kind of lumped in there with them. But, I mean, you can get all the information, not just opinion. You can get real information about the product, what it was designed to do, Designed to do what you can do with it, you know, on there. So that's that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that. And, and you know, one thing I do wish that they would have there, and I, I, I don't see, I haven't been to a lot of shows that do this, but I mean, yeah, everybody's gonna have like, you know, they got that bass tank there, so you can see, uh, you can see them flipping and pitching the fish. They starve for five days and they eat anything. Like, oh, come buy my lure. Uh, I'd much rather have them almost set up, you know, like a almost like a a pool where they've got trout in it and stuff like that. I kind of wish that they would call in or uh, they would have a a pool filled up and it was like a casting pool, and they could go out there and you can see the lures how they work, you know, fairly close to the water. Where I'm just standing next to the side, I can see the action that they use. Uh, I can see you know techniques how they're going to work the lure, how it looks. Uh, under the water as well as above the water. I mean, that'd be something I think they should they should employ. So you're not a fan of the big sporting goods like a casting trailer they pull yeah. off all the nearly dead bass in it. Man, uh, you know, <laughs> I worked at worked at Bass Pro Shop in high school, and once you know the inner workings of how they how they utilize that tank, 
you just don't look at it the same anymore. I mean, those fish, yeah, they feed them daily, but leading up to, you know, like a, like, okay, so they've got the spring fishing or the, the, the spring, the classic coming up or that's their, whatever they call their huge spring event. You know, they'll leading up to that event, it's like, you know, like 24, 36 hours, those fish won't get fed. And then they'll start throwing lures in there and they just start hammering everything left and right. And it's, it's always like, oh, look at the action on that lure. See how it draws them in? Yeah, of course it draws them in. They're starving, you fool. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was, why don't you just throw the bag at me of lures and I'll walk out a happy man. It's, that's the kind of mentality I've got with it anymore. But I'd, I'd prefer, like, you know, when we were at Boondoggle, the guy for those that, I don't remember the name of the lure company. If you do, just chime in real quick. But he took us down to the water. The water was clear enough. We're standing right there on the water, and you can watch them actually use it, see the action of the lure, how it's worked, what it's supposed to imp- uh, improvise. You know, that's, that's, what I like to, that's what I like to see. And they could really utilize one of those rainbow trout pools or those catfish ponds, something like that, in that manner. And you could, in my opinion, you'd actually sell more lures that way than you would with just, you know, you know, doing it in a, a bath tank. You know, that that's that's personally that's my opinion. Yeah, you're driving me crazy now. I'm trying to remember the name of that lure brand. I'm like not fair lure or something like that. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, kudos to you on that, man. Uh yeah, it's the lure, it's like the top water mullet lure that's got the uh the little red frills that come out of the gill unfair, area. Unfair, dude. Unfair. There you it's go. Okay, I'm, I, I don't know. Yeah, though, he's got some solid lures, man. Those are those are cool. Um, but yeah, it's the fishing show that they've got down there. It's held, it's held at George R. Brown. Um, parking's pretty easy around that area. I mean, what pay to park's like what seven bucks, eight bucks to get in. Or for a parking spot close by, and then what's the ticket price, Andrew? I let's say it's ten. I think it's the same to park as it is to get in. Yeah, I mean, so you can go down there, twenty-five bucks, because you know, five bucks I'll get you a beer or a water or something like that. And then uh, you can walk around the show and pretty much just load up to your heart's desire. Because the other thing that's cool about there is, at least they used to do this. You can go over and you can take your reels over to the Shimano booth and they've got a cleaning station. You can learn how to clean your reels there. They used to do that in the past. I'm not sure if they still do it. But then there, almost every booth, you can go buy like Chicken Boy Lures. You know, he'll give a couple of freebies out as you're going by. Again, the, the Flounder Pounder Boys, they're always there. They're glad to hand out some, uh, some freebies too. So, you know, it's, it's a cool event. And listening to the quality of speakers at the event is solid, too, because you've got some of the best trout fishing guys in all of the Texas coast that will speak at that event. I mean, I was there one year with you, Andrew, and they even brought Mike McBride up from, like, the Mansfield area. And if, you read, if anybody's familiar with Texas Saltwater Fishing Magazine, that guy is a trout fishing guru. You, know, you can just pick up tons of knowledge from listening to these guys. Bring a pad and paper. Start jotting things down, and just don't try to rely on your memory. And you can you can actually get a lot of quality information in a short amount of time. So I, I you know, uh, we had him on the show a while back, Dean Thomas. He's going to be down there. So anybody interested to um, call in and or not call in, but uh, go by and see 
him down at the Houston Fishing Show. He'll be there for you guys to come by and talk to. So, yeah, it, it's it's a good event. It's a it's and I like it also because it's not the same size as the Houston Boat Show. The Houston Boat Show is so large. You try to cover so much ground so so quick. You you don't want to go a two day event to go all the way down the Reliant Arena. The George R. Brown, the way they've got it sectioned off, is small enough to where whenever you're there, it's a uh, it's you know it's a really easy time to walk around, and see everything very efficiently, and spend time at each booth talking to people that you want to. And by the time that you're done, you know you've seen everything and effectively. So that's what I really like. That's 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 my opinion. I don't know how you feel, Andrew. No, I mean, a good, that's a good point. So just to follow to on the um, seminars, Saturday is a pretty solid day for seminars. Sally, Captain Sally will be there. And talk about trout fishing down in Bath. And then um, Jeff Furman will be there doing um, kayak fishing fundamentals. Too, so that's, you know, Jeff's going to be on there? You know, Jeff's there two days. We, 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 we had Jeff with Warner in the booth for two days. So. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> nah, Jeff, man, I, that guy is a. I, that's a. I mean, if he's gonna go down there and do a uh, intro on like you know kayak fishing basics and stuff like that, if if you're not that guy can fish, but if you also if you want to gain a ton of knowledge really quick from from Jeff, that's the paddling side. That guy is a is an awesome awesome paddler. He is a machine when it comes to that. So that's, if you're gonna go listen to Jeff, definitely pick his brain afterwards on some. Uh, on some paddling technique. That'll be clutch. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed I'm not going to be down there, man. This is the first one I've missed in a while. That's what happens, so when, you, you, go that's what happens when you move to Central Texas. No, well, you should come down on, on Wednesday, though. Tomorrow, come down tomorrow. Mickey's going to do his seminar at 5.15. We can all, everyone can just ask him what he thinks about kayaks. And that should be a real interesting <laughs> conversation. No, uh... Uh, Wednesday, I can't necessarily say I can fit that into my schedule, but uh, I would, uh, I'd like it for sure. Yeah. But we'll see. Man. We'll see. I, I, I'd like to go down there. I, I'm curious if I see him in the chat room. Uh, George is in there. I'm curious if George is going to be down there with Dean. I don't know if he's going to make the trip up. I'd like to see him if he's there. I, I'll tell you what, Andrew. It may be worth just driving in for it this weekend and just checking it out. That's yeah. what I would think. Just to go and go. Yeah, you need reminisce and come work in the booth for a little while? Nah, nah, see. I, I, <laughs> I, I miss the show. I don't miss that aspect of the show. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. But I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, looks like we got someone calling in here. Let's see, bring him in real quick. Welcome to Yak Fishing Texas. How's it going? Uh, hey, it's Woody. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Woody? Good, man. Sitting back here in North Carolina, literally chilling. A little chilly tonight. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We're pretty cold here, but I'm, I, I could probably wager just a little bit more uh, that you're colder than we are. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. How's it going, my boys? 
It's going good, man. Can't complain one bit, you know. Just got some fishing in this weekend. Got to take your, uh, got to take the Slayer Propel out for a little bit on uh, Saturday night with the, uh, with my wife. And uh, that boat never uh, never ceases to uh, amaze me, man. I love that thing. It's got. A, I love the functionality of the Propel, being able to hold on structure. You know, it's it's just a great platform. You guys did a great job on that boat. Thanks. Um, I actually. You know, we're going to wait. Um, Shane, my partner, uh, he's kind of ahead of design. He, he, I think he's probably waiting another six minutes to call in, but I couldn't wait. I want to get on radio. But, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, you know, it's a lot of hard work and and uh, a lot of, you know, the cool thing, like Shane, is is uh, he knows Hall's. And you got to take a lot of information. You got to test it. You got to take it out yourself. And you know, there's always things you can improve, and there's always people that want, "Why didn't you do this?" or "Why didn't you do that?" And and you know, it all leads to you got to start somewhere. And um, I think we got a good start, and it just it'll just lead to other designs in the future too. So we're really stoked about it. It's uh, uh, people seem to be psyched about it, and uh, I know that I know the effort that went into it. You know, a lot of people just think you can just rush the design and go, "Hey, why don't you do this? You should you should do this, and it should be out next month." But you know, as uh, when Shane gets on, you know, he can attest. I mean, it's a it's a process, man. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You got to test. We're in. You know, Shane is just amazing. I can't give him enough credit because, you know, in the prototype stages, there's a. It's hard to make a prototype in plastic, and you need to in order to figure out uh, not only how much the boat will shrink after the molding process, but where it will shrink. You know, plastics, uh, as you guys all know, that you know when when you design a, a boat. You have to, you have to, you're making a plug, and you have to guesstimate uh, pretty much. I mean, you can put it in a computer, but the computer doesn't show you where it's going to shrink. But, like, so you make a boat, you got to make that plug, like, 3 to 5% bigger than the actual product that you want. And not only that, you gotta you gotta do enough prototyping to know not only how much it's going to shrink, but the areas it will shrink. And you know, it's not a it's not a science that you just punch a button on a computer and it comes out. So I can't wait for Shane to get on. I think he'll shed a lot of light on the design process. You know, I'm just a brand manager and the marketing guy and the sales guy and and uh you know it's a lot of work yeah man on, Shane didn't do a good job and I appreciate you enjoying it I, I hope a lot of people enjoy it I mean there's a lot of effort went into it yeah I mean it's it's you know from seeing everything that's been put up online you know I, I saw a video that you guys put up the propel versus paddle you know the you know I, I always like watching that you know you you guys have got a lot of good momentum going into this coming season, that boat. So it'll be really interesting to see whenever, you know, we actually get into the summer, you know, the, the reaction because people start coming out of the cave and 
waking up from hibernation and whatnot, and they start getting back into boating, and it's it'll it'll it should take off, man. I mean, you guys, it's I I enjoy it. I personally, it, it holds a lot of gear. It's easy to move around. It's easy to adjust the seat. You know, there's really not anything I can complain, <laughs> which is a good thing. Well, good. So, I, you know, again, it, there's always. There's always something you can do better, no doubt, no doubt. And but you know, yeah. as a manufacturer, sometimes you know it's, just, it's really funny. You just gotta have some. You gotta kind of have some thick skin when you when you put something on the market and put something on the market, particularly. You know, it, 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 our system is our system, but inevitably it's going to be compared to what's on the market already. And, you know, kind of being the new guy on the block, we get a lot of people comparing it to uh, Hobie, which, you know, honestly, they have a great system. And, you know, we got ours, they got theirs. And, you know, reverse is pretty cool. I mean, you know, even in like, even just cruising around, you know, when we first took it out to Outdoor Retailer and, this is a to me. I think this is a funny story. So you know, we're like the little guy, you know, and the outdoor retailer people on the demo beach the day before the actual show starts. Uh, we have a demo out there, and dealers can come and you know try it. And they like to put like products together, you know, SUPs down one side of the beach and kayaks. Well, lo and behold, guess where we are. Right smack dab beside Hobie and their <laughs> Goliath of a tent and like all these people dressed alike and you know just kind of is really it was pretty it was really intimidating and uh, so we're sitting there going all right here we go boys and you know it went and this is the first kind of place you see it a couple of things happened the the sup people and i have no idea why they were doing this instead of just like going from their section of beach and going out into this beautiful lake they had to go up and down the shoreline and i'm telling you you're talking about 130 sup companies there was boards going everywhere and kayaks trying to wiggle out between them and this is when i really um, not I figured out that reverse was cool, but just like, all right, this, this thing is more intuitive than I thought. Um, so, and just watching people, man, this, this is not stage, this is not anything, but there were two ladies, one was in a Hobie, and they were launching at the same time, and one was in our boat, and these SUPs, I'm telling you, it was like a, it was like Space Invader game just to get out, you know? Yeah. And um, one of the cool things, I and I this, this is something I just saw happen, was these two ladies kind of launched at the same time. And the trying to dodge, the, you know, there was definitely going to be two c- crashes incur because the people pedaling were going to T-bone somebody on an SUP. And it was really interesting to watch because... The lady in the Hobie, she quit pedaling, but the boat kept going, and there was a crash. But it was really, this is when I felt that 
we had an intuitive product because the lady in the Propel just pedaled backwards and stopped. And the SUP went by and she took off again. And so that was cool. And what was really cool about it is, is um, later in the afternoon, um, I don't know his last name, and I should, I'm embarrassed, but Greg, I think he's kind of the designer slash part owner in Hobie, um, came over to the, and spoke to him and was like, man, do you mind if I take, take, take your boat out? And I'm like, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of uncomfortable in that situation. I'm like, yeah, man, go ahead. No problem. And I, it, we got busy. I didn't really watch him or anything. And, and, uh, the next morning, the first thing in the show, honestly, I got there early. I'm kind of amped up. And lo and behold, who's standing at my booth but that guy and the head of sales? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, oh no, what is he going to do? Is he going to sue me? What, what are they going to do? What's, what's up? And honestly, this guy didn't have to do this, but honestly, he stuck his hand out and shook it and was like... I gotta tell you, nice job, guys. The improvements you made to that boat is awesome and great job. And I, you know, he didn't have to do that. So, you know, we get along, everything's cool. And but honestly, it was pretty intimidating that first the first day. But but I really appreciate him doing that, and that was just awesome. That is awesome, man. Yeah, it's reverse is cool. Absolutely. I mean, I, I love like. You know, Hobie boats, they, they make a great product. You know, and there's there's always going to be pluses and minuses as you go across the board no matter what. And it's just, you know, like, you know, you just, it's personal preference for, for, for a boat. What do you like to see? Now, for me, though, I like all boats. That's the, I like, I, I like the fact that everybody kind of brings something different to the game. And you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I tell people, I'm like, I don't know of one designer that's trying to make a bad kayak. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. That's certainly yeah, in the goal when you start, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. No, that's that's a great point. And it's 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 just a different flavor for everybody else. You know, one guy likes grape, one guy likes strawberry, you know, whatever. But you know, you guys exactly. what you guys have you guys have brought it out and what you've uh you've accomplished, I, I appreciate it. I mean it's 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 a game changer. It adds another flavor to the to the well, man. So it's really cool. And you, yeah, you I appreciate it, man. I mean, again, way. we're really proud of it. And, you know, folks seem to be liking it. You know, this, we, we definitely have a dealer base out there that, um, you know, some people went full bore and are killing it. And then we've got some guys that honestly are tippy-toeing in the water. There's a gentleman, I've known him a long time, he's out of Tennessee. He's had a shop for a long time. And... You know, I saw him at the plant the other day, and I'm like, wow, Ed's here. I mean, Ed's just a guy that's owner, been there a long time. He, he's not the nor- he's not, it's not normal for him to come to the factory to pick up. I'm like, what's up? And he was like, man, to be honest with you, and he's a really straightforward guy, awesome but straightforward. And he was just like, Honestly, I haven't been to your new factory because, you know, we moved our factory a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, from Greensboro to the Asheville area in North Carolina. And and he just looked at me and he's just like, I just wanted to come see your facility and see if I thought you could keep up 
with this thing because I just sold four in the last four weeks. And, he's, you know, he's like, I tried them out. The first two went. I got two more. They've gone. I'm down here getting some more. So, you know, for that early in the season to have product pulling through and pulling through because people are asking for it for a dealer like him and a lot. And, it, it, you know, he was just – he came down and said, I wanted to see your new facility, and I wanted to see for myself if I thought you guys could keep up with production. So hopefully, we'll, so hopefully we'll have that challenge. We're really good molders, and that's, that's another thing I'd like for people to, to, to know about us is, is our experience in the molding. Like Shane and I started, and Shane started designing, we started the kayak business when uh, at Perception Kayaks back in the day for a gentleman named Bill Masters. At, at the time, was the largest kayak company in the world, and particularly Whitewater because we were Whitewater boaters. And, um, you know, so we've been around the molding process for a long time. And when we left there to create our own business, the goal was to make the best kayak we can make. You know, if we have to use the most expensive plastic that costs us, you know, more than other plastic, that's what we wanted to use. You know, we wanted to make great kayaks. And if you come to our facility, it's just, it's, it's not laid back, but it's, there's a quality that comes out that our, like our molders and our assemblers, and you know, yeah, we make some mistakes, but I, I got to say, I'm really proud of the product that we produce. I'm really proud of our employees and, and how they look at their jobs, you know, we we kind of have a system, and it's really cool, in that we move people around the plant. So, like, you may you're not just a molder, you're not just a assembler. You move through the factory, and you you learn different trades and different jobs in the factory. And it's really cool that you know you you look at a guy who might be molding for a month, and the next thing you know he's assembling. The next thing you know he's driving the forklift, and it, it just kind of keeps it fresh. <laughs> it's, it's different. There, at any time of the day, it's really you might see eight eight nine dogs running around in the factory. People bring their dogs to work, and so it's, it's a really cool atmosphere. And I'm really proud of the product that we produce and again you know we can yeah, make mistakes man. like anybody can but we we certainly hold it to a minimum we we thickness check every boat in like 70 spots i mean nobody wow. does that so you know, we're, we're concerned about it we, we you know we're just proud to be really good molders as well as as uh kayak builders you know right no that's cool man yeah i I'm all, I've always been interested in the process. I, I, you know, it, from from design. When I first started working uh, for PCK, and we, you know, I found out about design, and then how the boats were, you know, the prototypes were made down back to the final design. So that was really cool seeing all of that stuff, and you know, hearing about you know further like furthering further learning about how you know these uh these boats are actually designed. It's it's really cool, and, and it, 
in my opinion, it's beneficial for people to kind of know out there, you know, how their boats, their paddling are being designed. And seeing the kind of quality and the craftsmanship that goes into these things, you know, it's it's kind of like the backstory, and, and that's huge in my opinion. It's always fun to know where your boats are coming from, what was inspi- what inspired those designs, you know. So mm-hmm. that, that's, to me, that, that's just an added bonus. So it, it looks like we got Shane in here now. How's it going, Shane? Very good, very good. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Sorry it took a while for you to get in here. I, I was on the phone, and I saw you popping up. I was like, man, I can't end the call. I'm going to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was uh, trying to know. bounce from yeah. Andrew. Well, uh, you know, I was uh, I posted up on our Facebook page. You know, I was trying to get some people to come in, and uh, we got some people who actually got some questions for you guys. And uh, I was going to see if it was all right if we kind of field some of the questions from left field for you guys to kind of maybe go ahead and answer for everybody. Well, hey, I'll tell you one thing. We're smarter than we look, so fire away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, all right, so it looks like we've got well, – I'm going to take one from the chat room. Uh, it looks like – so this guy, I'm not sure what his name is, but he says, when creating a kayak, do you think about the weight of the angler and gear to, de- to determine the size, or do you create it and just tell people the weight limit to let them adjust the amount of gear? You want to take that one, Shane? I got it. All right, Shane's got this one, trust me. <laughs> uh, well, the great thing is that we have Woody as a starting point. And he's, he's, yeah, I, he's, he's, <laughs> he's not a little guy. 6'4", uh, 250, awesome. he says sometimes. Yeah, I'll take 250. <laughs> so he's our starting point, and um, we we use him as a baseline. There's there's no lying about it. Uh, he's our baseline, and then we start throwing gear in there with him. <laughs> um, so he he really is a great starting point, being that tall and and a big man who is is strong, not 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 fat by any means, who's strong. So he's a he's a a great person for us to start with. And um, we definitely what we do is we design the boat, and we have a key you know person or size range that we're looking to match that boat up to, and. Um, we work, I mean, we work really hard to get it to that point. And then once we have the final design, then we kind of give a top end and a low end of what we feel good as far as the performance of the of the boat itself. And, you know, in the, cool. and, and in, in the case of, like, the Slayer and the Slayer Propel, we've, you know, you know, we cheat a little bit in that we can look at other product that's on the market. And, you know... Case in point is like the Ultimate Series, you know, um, or or basically the Slayer and the Slayer Propel all. Not only are you looking at the weight of the person, but you're also going, all right, like take the Slayer and the Slayer Propel and the Ultimate, we're going to stand. You know, folks want to stand, so what is, once you stand and you you got your chair, your seat in there, and your gears in there, and we, we you know we definitely have gear, and so we also are trying to get the trim correct in the standing position. Like, you know, why is there a fourteen? Why is there a twelve foot 
um, say like the Ultimates. Well, like when I when I put when I when I stand in a twelve foot Ultimate, I'm not I don't have that much balance. And crazy thing is, is you think of balance and standing, it should be wide. But you put me in a 14.5 or the new FX15, and I can stand in it, and it's actually a more narrow boat. But the displacement slash volume, you can say volume or displacement, being further away from, from the paddler gives it a lot more balance. So it's, it's, you don't have to go wide necessarily to 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 obtain more stability and it all comes down to just testing it and getting a lot of people in it in the prototype stage different sizes different shapes and and i gotta give shane credit i mean when it comes down to prototypes and getting you know your pro staff or your guides in there every suddenly everybody's a designer and you need to do this and you need to do that. But what Shane and his team are good at is is taking that information that people are giving them and going, well, this is what you're saying. How do I fix it? And it's not necessarily like just go wider. So we, we do tests. We, we, there's, not, there's not gas. We, when we put weights in it, we put gear in it. We put me in it, we put Shane in it, and we put light people. I mean, you know, crazy is just watching. I don't know if you guys know Dee Kaminsky, but, you know, she's tiny. And she can wheel around a 14-foot ultimate like nobody's business. So you, you, you just have to test it all out. Well, guys, I got another question from the Facebook page. Chris wanted to know, with Jackson and Wilderness both working on the release of an offshore-specific kayak, you don't have anything in the works, and if so, are you going to drop a propel drive in it? <laughs> uh, well, I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you. What I'll say is, is there's a lot of, there's always something going on in Shane's department. And there is a timing issue, and honestly, just being honest for us, there's a money issue, you know. So you you got to sit back, look at the market, look at – and here's another thing, and I'm just being honest as I can be. We have, we have three ovens. And, you know, imagine you're a restaurant and you've got three grills, and – if if your menu says that you're just cooking hamburgers and you got this sick oven over here that can make, you know, pot roast, I don't know. We also have to look at what we can potentially make in a year. Like, you can't just keep making more and more, designing more and more hamburgers if that oven's getting full of production. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of have to, well, while most people, like, say, expect an offshore boat and we come out with something else, you know, they're going to be disappointed, but, not that, but, but it's not that we're not working on something for the future. So, 
And my answer to that is, is Shane's department's always working on something. There's always some rubbing going on, trust me. It's just a matter of timing and what we have to take all into consideration in in a design from not just like this is what people want, but production-wise, do we have the available space on the ovens that we need? So, you know, some people can get disappointed and they're like, oh, well, I wanted you to bring this out. And, you know, it'll be out sometime, you know, all of our designs. But it's, it's, a, so it's, it's a lot of time. There's a lot more into it than just going, this is what people want, and let's go do it. We have to kind of sit back and scratch our heads and go, all right, so that oven's pretty full and we should look at this direction and we can come back and look at that direction at another time. So, I, you know, I think it's really cool. I think the offshore approach is awesome. We have we do get that a lot. And um, without saying too much, I'll say that there's always a lot of rubbing going on in the R&D room. <laughs> As it should, man. You've got to always keep it fresh, you know? <laughs> Hey, I talked around that pretty well, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, that's too funny. Well, I've got a question actually myself. You guys are about to launch the – well, you've already been having it all over Facebook. Uh, Y'all are about to come out, and dealers are about to start seeing the Ultimate FX come out. This is uh, kind of a, a major reworking of the Ultimate, in my opinion, but still staying along the same grounds of what, you know, the ultimate's all about. What prompted you guys to kind of make the changes to the original boat in the manner that you did? And, you know, uh, what are some of the features for some of the people who are listening that haven't even heard about it yet? I'm going to let Shane take this one. (laughs) So, obviously, the ultimate was – was a huge. It was the flagship, really, of native watercraft and the and the startup of uh, native watercraft. And things that happened is there's there was a lot of different ideas that we wanted to get into the boat, and we we thought that obviously the shell itself, the performance of the hull was was great. And there were a few little tweaks that we wanted to do to make it even better. Um, specifically, we worked a lot with our guides and pro staff. Um, talking about the slight little hull modifications they'd like to see to help the performance, um, specifically uh, a little bit flatter standing area, um, being able to draft a little bit shallower water but still track, um, and then a lot of kind of deck features and and other things that we added into the boat. A high-low seat was a big part of it, a more secure attachment of the seat. Um, Just sort of trying to upgrade actually all across the board but keep keep that performance um, uh, at the level where it was to start with. I mean, and that was, that, that was the really cool part about having, I'm not going to lie, I am, I'm not a fisherman, but what I, what I am is a passionate kayaker. And what's really fun for me is to work with our pro guides and our, and our staff and our guides and, and get their passion for exactly what kind of boat they want to fish out of, you know, and look at every single feature, where the rod lays are, how they how they mount stuff against it, how they would make an anchor trolley that would work really well on that boat. 
the standing capabilities. I mean, you know, going out and fishing with D and she's standing on the gunnels of an ultimate, I freaks me out every time. I'm gonna fall in for sure. Get <laughs> eaten by something in there out there. But working with those guys, I, I think it's a really cool combination because I get to see the passion and the focus that they have on exactly, you know, what they're really looking for and then I get to add, you know, my passion for kayaking and for paddling and put those two together, it, it's a pretty easy, easy combination. And and so what we did is we just took that ultimate and all their experience. I mean, we've got these guys and pros that have been been fishing out of those boats for years now, and they've got a great idea of how they would want to update it. And then I get to apply that, you know, to to that haul and to that to that design and to that kind of um, heritage of that design specifically. It's, it's fun to fun to update that model. Yeah, and and, yeah. You know, and another thing, we, we've got this, we wanted to get the general fishing public involved, and on our Facebook page, we do this with both brands, Liquid Logic and Native, we we do this thing, we call it Automatic for the People, and it's a, it's a chance for, we ask people, what would you change, what would you add, what do you, and, you know, it's very typical that we get, you know, 100-plus responses to those questions. And you, you you go down the list. Some of them are honestly hilarious. And you're like, yeah, I don't think we're going to put a refrigerator in it. But um, <laughs> Come on. It, we did want to give a voice to the general, I'm going to call it general public, the people that have the boats um, already. And uh, that plus the guys and the pro staff, and and honestly, again, I've said it, but I think before Shane got on here, you know, Shane's ability to listen and take what he hears um, and, and not really go directly because, again, everybody's a designer, but take information and bring it that information together to create the shape slash deck layout and all that is uh it's pretty amazing but you know automatic for the people getting the public involved has been a a, a huge asset for us and we're up front about it you know what do you want to change what do you like what do you don't like um so so the fx you know it's, again it is a updated version you know it's the it's the 2014 version of the ultimate the ultimate's been on the market seven eight years which is phenomenal run for any product um and and it's and it's because it started out really good you know it's light The, the fx will be a little heavier just because we've got a frame for the seat to fit on but it's the frame can come out if you want to load it so you know the what, what a lot of people don't know about the, the ultimate was uh, who re- originally helped in the design was a gentleman named Jimbo Metter, and uh, he lives in Point Clear, Alabama, and uh, he's a great guy, just an incredible personality, and uh, it, the the book Forrest Gump was dedicated to him. He he's is kind of loosely based on Jimbo, you know, and he came to us and was like. I really think people would like to stand up and fish out of a kayak, and we're all like, yeah, get the hell out of here. Really? <laughs> sure enough, Forrest Gump-like is our number one product and our flagship and launched the company. 
So we got, I got to give a lot of credit to Jimbo Matter for uh, the original design. Um, I left him a, a FX about prototype about I don't know a month ago. So we were going. Oh, it's when we were going to the Boondoggle. He lives pretty close to that last second to the last Boondoggle. And I, you know, I call him every week. He's just a really good, turned out to be a really good friend, and um, he loves it. And he's like, good job. And and uh, but I gotta give him a lot of credit on that original Ultimate. He 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 definitely helped create it. It was his idea to do the tunnel hall. And what I, you know, the, the the cool thing about the tunnel hall is it's kind of a, it ends up being a low draft, but it's a balance. You can, because you're in the standing position, unlike a sit-on top where you're standing on the top deck, in the Ultimate Series, your your feet are actually below the waterline. And you're just lowering, he, he it was his idea. It was his design, and it's 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 just to get the center of gravity lower. So, again, Jimbo Better is just an amazing person. You should Google him sometime. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, I remember when we were down at Boondoggle, we got a chance to meet him because he was over with some those stand up paddle boards that uh, he had it looked like like mini skiffs. Uh, yeah, he, well, he he now works for Dragonfly Boatworks, and they make skiffs, flat boats, and uh, paddle boards. And then, you know, like, I don't know if you looked at his paddle board, but it had like an internal anchor. I mean, it's just super cool, and it's designed to fish off of. And he's an amazing guy. He, he, he he's he's a funny. He is one of the funniest people I've ever been around. Yeah, I laughed just talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you were telling us the story about the, the Forrest Gump side, and I was, I was like, "There's no way that was that, that was an awesome, awesome story." That was a good time, man. Boondoggle was a great time. Yeah, it was. That was fun. That was hot. Well, you you ain't a kidding, man. Ooh, boy, was it hot. But well, uh, looks like so. You guys just wrapped up the Adventure Fishing World Championship. So yeah, uh, I had I had someone ask me about this. It wasn't on the Facebook page or in the chat, but I did tell them I would give them. A, I would let I would ask the question. Where did the concept for this style of tournament come about? Because it's unlike any other really that's out there. You know, again, this is. I think this is a. This is honestly, this is the truth. John Grace and I, the guy that put the thing on. He and I went to a big tournament in um, in a city in Florida, and you know, I I'm just being honest, man. I never been to a fishing tournament, and he hadn't either. And we just watched it, stand back, just checking the scene out, and nobody knew us really, you know. And and you know, we we saw that people were checking in and and uh, getting their token or whatever you need to take the photo with the fish, you know, the thing with the photo of the fish. And then they just, like, Friday night, and they left. And then they came back on Saturday and turned their card in and ate dinner and was done. Awards, and they were done. And, you know, we were leaving, and John was just like, he looked at me and was like, man, if you knew where you were going, you could have won that tournament in a inner tube. Because people 
were like loading up their kayaks and going to different places and different fishing spots. So we just started thinking like, how can we get kayaking involved? And you know, we kind of talked about it off and on in over the course of almost a year, to be honest. And then one day John called me up and he's like, I got it. I got it. And I'm like, what do you got? The tournament. I got it figured out. It's going to be called the Adventure Fishing World Championships. And I'm like, he's like, I'm down in uh, Everglades. I'm in Everglades City, Florida. I've talked to the Rangers. I got it figured out. And I'm like, well, let's lay it on me. Let's go. And he told me the concept of like combining adventure racing with fishing. And he had it all, I swear, man, he'd scouted out, he'd gotten a boat, he'd checked it all out, and uh, honestly, got to give him credit, you know. Grace is, he'd been running some adventure races, and he just put it together and had an idea. And he, when he told me, I was like, I'm in, man. I, I am totally in. I think it's an awesome concept. And, you know, the first, the first, tournament we did in Everglades City I, honestly it, it was uh, scarily flawless and um, the last one we had some few a few hiccups you know uh, there, were, there were things we learned you don't assume anything and the the situation the, one, the, the other cool thing he called me up and he was like guess where I am and I said where he's at Everglades City but guess where I am and I'm like, I have no idea. He's talking to me on the phone. He's like, I'm in the middle of the Everglades. I got 4G. We can do we can do updates, live updates from out here, just with our phones. And I'm like, holy Christ, that sounds so cool. And um, so, you know, so that one went smooth. And the second one, I mean, we did, we, we had some hiccups, and and I. I appreciate everybody kind of not getting too mad at us, but like an hour before the event, um, he comes to me and, 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 you know, to do these updates, he needed down there, he didn't have 4G, so we were just like having to drive an hour to a motel every every afternoon, every night, and work, work at night, splitting film up, editing putting it up, putting little updates up before the, you know, like pre-fishing and all that. So we were based an hour away. And an hour before the event, he comes to me and he's just like, the look on his face was just, I'll never forget it. He's just like, epic fail, epic, it's epic. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I left the measuring boards at the motel. So, you know, Danny Mongo of Warner, uh, was down helping. Yeah. He had a rental car, so he took off, and it, and it. We had to start the basically. We had to start the event one hour later, which doesn't seem like a big deal, except the tides. It, you know, it changed kind of the face of the event. We we took out one of the the uh, checkpoints because we knew that we would just kill people if we left it in, having that one hour less and then uh and then you know like here's where the assume thing comes in you know i i was 
kind of John chauffeur slash we were checking on checkpoints, and I really appreciate the help from some of the fishermen. Um, the Cabler brothers let us borrow a boat, and and uh, we had another boat for a cameraman. But so I'm wheeling him around the boat, and and uh, and during the day, you know, John's calling the caterer like four times during the day, and the caterer's like, "Yep, no problem, no problem, no problem." One again, one hour before it's time to wrap this thing up and feed people, the caterer calls and says. I've got your food, but I decided I'm not bringing it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. <laughs> so, again, Danny Mongo of Werner gets in his car, goes gets the food. I'm setting up the table. He, we unload the food, and I'm like, oh, God didn't give us any utensils? To, like serving utensils? So I learned a lot, man. You can uh, you can definitely serve potato salad and baked beans with a Dixie cup. So that's kind of how that went down. <laughs> oh, we were man. we were serving the Dixie cups at that point. High class in it, man. That's awesome. But, but honestly, I got to give the guys credit. We had people lost the night before, wheeling in at four thirty. The winner, Casey. Running, I think is the way he's pronounced his last name. Awesome job. Exhausted. Got in at 4.30. Fellow uh, fisherman made sure he had food. I mean, he was like a walking zombie. But, you know, and here's the, here's the cool thing about this tournament. I mean, Casey, there are two guys that I'm really proud of in this, and not because of their accomplishment, but because of how serious they took the turn, Casey lost over 30 pounds training for this thing. And a guy named Ken Taylor from, like, Port Charlotte, he lost 35 pounds for the tournament. I mean, have you ever heard of that before? It's amazing. That's insane. Yeah. That is insane. And it was just from straight training? Yeah. Diet and training. Lost 35 yeah. pounds for the tournament. That was his goal was to, to to do that, and you know that says something about the tournament. You know, it's, it, it, but everybody enjoyed it. I mean, we had had we had that hour back. Like as it turned out, there were three teams that I'm going to say the word qualified in that they three teams hit three out of four checkpoints and they caught a fish at three out of four checkpoints. There was only three teams, but. I do feel if we had that hour back, there would have been up to 15 teams with that chance because there were a lot of people that either ran out of time, got, you know, came in late. And the, the top three teams, this is interesting, Casey, Casey's team came in with like 13 minutes left on the clock. The team that finished uh, third came in with three minutes left on the clock, and the team that came in second came in with two minutes left on the clock. This is a ten-hour event. So it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. So that's, that's I, you know, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool concept. It, 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 and, and the people that that entered, I mean. The first one we had thirty teams, sixty people. We fit with the permit only allows us to have uh, one hundred people, fifty.
50 teams. We snuck one extra team in. We had 51 teams. And we were turning people away. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we were turning people away. So, I, you know, I think you'll see in the future um, we're already planning some, like, I don't want to call it qualifiers, but definitely some tournaments. Like, the people that are in the, have, have entered before are automatically grandfathered in. As they start dropping out, we're trying to figure out how to get other people in and be fair about it. So we've actually got about five other locations for, like, and this is not the right word, but it's like qualifying tournaments. And um, yeah. Yeah, we're looking down at Louisiana and Arkansas, Jersey, Georgia, and I even got one guy. I mean, even wanting to do a river on the, in West Virginia, the new river wants to uh, um, do an overnight section. So there's all kind of things you can do. You can have portages. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We had one team went to a double checkpoint. These two young guys from Miami. You know, they they looked at the map just like everybody else, and had they had they 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 got to one of the checkpoints and was like, you know what, it's only four miles if we carry through this trail system to the another checkpoint, and had they had a good set of wheels, they had zero wheels. They were dragging and carrying their equipment. And they went four miles through the trail. It was actually, it was actually a good plan. Had they had wheels, they could have hit two double checkpoints. So it's interesting. Yeah. You know, we just give them a map, and then it's just like, do what you want to do, go where you want to go. Here's the rules. It's, it's awesome concept. That is awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when I first heard of it, and I started looking at everything online about it and reading up, I was like, man. This has got to be one of the most intense. Actually, you know, it was, it was Chip that told me about it first, and, I, and that's why I started reading about it. And I was like, this has got to be the most intense paddling, fishing combination situation I've ever seen anybody have to get into. I mean, these guys are talking like, you know, there's a, the potential to paddle like 15 to 20 miles between checkpoints. It was, 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 is that pretty, is that possible? Well, it's not, they're not that far apart. Like if you hit, (laughs) like this year, if you hit all three checkpoints, well, here's the other thing is, is not only do you got to hit the checkpoints, but you go to a checkpoint, you get a token, you fish that checkpoint and you can go anywhere, but you got to bring that token back to that checkpoint before in order to get scored. If if you don't turn your token back in, or if you lose a token, you're out, at least for that checkpoint. So, you know, I, I think the winners that day probably totally paddled 23, 24 miles. What's really wild is, is the winner paddled 30 miles the day before, got lost, walked eight miles through the jungle, found campground, ate some food, a couple of guys got got with them, and just like, let's go get our boats. They hiked eight miles back in through the jungle, found their boats, drug the boats a mile and a half the wrong direction to find water deep enough to pedal. They were out there in Hobie's. 
one guy was riding piggyback on the other one, and then they pedaled another eight, nine miles back. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief, dude. Oh, like, we were just insane. finishing up registration when they pulled in from being lost. You know, the first when they first hiked out, dude, they were covered in mud, mosquito bites. They were eating alive. And I'm like, hey, guys, oh. what's going on? <laughs> hey, it's about time you got here. We just closed up. You can do it in the morning. They're just like, they told me the story, uh, and I'm like, wow. So my hat's off those guys. I'm just telling you. Well, uh, looks like we've got time for one more question, and we I found one that a uh, guy posted up, and this is another boat one. And uh, this one says, with the introduction of the Slayer Propel, are there plans to do away with the Mariner, or is the Mariner going to be redesigned to be something different? Well, you never get rid of a boat that's sailing, you know. And if we were to (laughs) see that the sails were dropping off for some reason, obviously we would, you know, you're going to produce fewer of them. Um there's a there's kind of a little cult following with the the mariner and you know i i think the mariner's the mariner and the slayer propels the slayer propel and you know who knows we might go a different direction altogether but taking something uh, as long as, as long as people enjoy it and want it we're going we'll, we'll obviously we'll keep making anything and um you know it's, it had a uh, but you know the Mariners got a little got quite the quite a following, and I, I think that the Mariner people would enjoy the Slayer. So, do we are we going to redesign it? You know, probably not. We'll probably go a different direction with 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 other with other things. There's a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of different types of water we want to have something for particularly for. So. So the Mariner's awesome. It, it does have a, a, a little cult following, and we're really proud of it. But, again, you know, I don't see us redesigning it um, as as much as I see us looking at other types of designs. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense, man. Uh, I mean, if it's, if it's moving, there's no point in pulling it out. You know, just go ahead and plug along mm-hmm. with the Mariner and you got plenty of people out there who enjoy it. I've got a question actually about that boat. What inspired the flat deck in the back instead of putting in like a normal tank well? <laughs> you know, I hate this <laughs> a diving platform? A cooler? A cooler uh, well, it, it, originally it was, you know, it was like, you know, we were, how old is that boat? That, that boat's probably Four or five years, years old. Four years. It took a little while for it to catch on, and you know it was it was actually two things to dive off of thinking, and uh, and and just reentry in general. Um, gotcha. So you know that's that's about all I can say about that, <laughs> as Jimbo would put it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I was just curious because it's it's unique. I mean, it absolutely is, and it's it's you don't see much anything out there like that. And the I I, I 
I've taken the Mariner out a lot of different times, like at our demo days and stuff like that. I, the one thing I've never done is I've never tried to walk back behind the seat. And I, I think that's really something I'd like to accomplish because I, the last demo I was at, I, I got able to, or I was able to take the Slayer 12 and the Slayer 14 out and stand in the very front hatch. Yeah, and, I saw that photo. That was, dude, that ain't happening with me. I'm telling you, straight <laughs> up. I'm in the water for sure. Hey, man, I, that's a testament to how stable that boat is. I, I'll tell you what, whenever I first stepped into the hatch, as I worked my way towards the nose of the boat, it felt like it got more solid as I walked forward. That's how Well, that, that design, you know, is, um, it, again, it it was it it kind of we were we were having so much success at the time with the ultimate series and the tunnel hall the the big bulbous tunnels if you look yeah. at that design honestly if you go further forward you're putting more of those I'm going to call them pontoons in the water and you're displacing more so I could definitely see how it was feeling a little more bomber up to a point. You know, I think you can get, I know I could get on the very bow of it, and it wouldn't be the same as you on the bow. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was definitely mimicking um, the success that we were having with that tunnel hall in the, in the Ultimate. And, you know, we've learned things, you know, Shane. I mean, crazy things you learn and water direction and, you know, thank God for the GoPro era where you can just oh, let's just mount this thing on on the hull and watch it and see what's going on. So, you know, we, we we've learned stuff, and Shane's really good at at, at designing. If you wanted it, you know, Shane's like, you want to stand in it or you don't want to stand in it, because he can do anything. And you know, just like the guy that was asking about an offshore boat, I mean. You know, the offshore guys are saying, hey, man, I don't want anything I can stand in. I'm not standing up there. I'm fishing deep anyway. I'm not sight casting out there. I'm going to be sitting. So, you know, that to me, what that says to me is, is, all right, you want something that's sleeker and get you out there faster. So, you know, and that's the weirdest thing. That's another weird thing. It's kind of like, as soon as we come out with it, everybody's like, how fast is it? How fast are you going to go? And you're like, well, how? It, it, people just assume because you're pedaling that you can just pedal harder and harder and harder and harder and you're going to go faster. But unlike, because we have that bicycle motion, but unlike a bicycle that you are propelling two wheels, the faster you pedal a bike, the faster you go, there's a point where your kayak shape reaches its comfortable um, pulse speed. Pulse speed. There you think, shape. And you know, <laughs> pushing it past its comfortable hull speed, you can get a little faster. But you really, it doesn't really want to go faster. So. You while you are pushing it, it's really hard to sustain. So what Shane has to do is go, what, given people like the Slayer Propel, we definitely knew we wanted sight casting off this thing, right? 
So obviously that's going to have to limit its hull speed at some point. And so it's up to him and his team to determine what is comfortable, how long you can go. And, you know, Shane takes GPSs out and goes out for two, three, four hours and sees how far he can go and, and does tests. And I pushed really hard and I was going this fast and then, but I could, I could go this fast all day long and I could go this fast according to the GPS for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it has a lot to do with hull shape and, and again, you know, there's always, there's always somebody rubbing on something in R&D, and, um, you know, we're always looking at different shapes and what we can do and what what that propel system does. And, you know, and, and that's the same thing with the Ultimate Series and the Slayer Series. And, and actually, I don't know if many people uh, paddle the uh, Manta Ray, but, you know, all of them, they all have a whole speed, and they're all good for something. I, I'm going to refer back to this tournament. You would think, being a native and putting this tournament on, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to promote this propel. If honestly, the pedal drives had very slight, if any, advantage in this last uh, tournament. You know, the ultimates did well. The normal paddling kayaks did well because it was grassy. You know, that in grass with the with our system, you can wrap grass around it, as with the Hobie system. They didn't work that good in grass either. And, um, you know, hell, I was in a motorboat, and I had to keep lifting the motor up and get grass out of it. So, you know, I think people should really be aware of where they're going before purchasing a kayak. Really understand where you go a lot, what are the waters around you like, and make your choice accordingly, you know, because there's a lot of great designs. I, I agree, man. Yeah, it's like, it's like we mentioned earlier, you know, it's just everybody's got their own taste, and it's going to satisfy the way that they like to handle things when they're out on the water. And, uh, you know, it's, it's to each his own, but... You know, the the nice thing is everybody, like the you guys are, you know, you're responding to the public, you're putting out products that people are clamoring for, and then whenever people are, you know, talking about changes or features on boats that they'd like to see, you know, you're you're very reactive and you're quick to implement certain design cues into the boat. So, I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, that, that relates to us kayak fishermen, uh, you know, a lot. We, res- we respect that a lot because it feels like we're being heard. And most of the time, that's you know, that's unheard of on some companies. So kudos to you guys on the, you know, being on the front for that. Yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, we're really proud of it. We're really proud. I mean, it was, it, honestly, automatic work for the people was just Shane and I sitting around going, man, let's just put it out there. Let's just be bold enough to do it. And no one had ever done it before. No one. I mean, we Shane designed boats right and basically in the eyes of the public. I mean, we're not designing things that we're saying, hey, check out this new boat. We're we're smarter than everybody and here it is. We're 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 using, we are asking, we are we're getting people involved in designs and, you know, it never been done before and we're just like bold enough to go for it, you know. And Shane came to me and was like, What do you think? And I'm like, I think it's 
I think it's an ingenious idea, and I think we should do it. And so we did it. You know, we're a small company. Yeah. Small companies can do stuff like that. You know. Yeah, that's the advantage, for sure. Well, uh, yeah. well, Woody, Shane, uh, big thanks for coming by the show tonight, guys. It's been an absolute blast chatting with you guys, uh, and just listening at you know some of the history to the to what is native kayaks and, you know, talking about the, the cool new product that you guys are hitting the market with. So, you know, again, big thanks to you guys, and thanks for coming on tonight. Well, man, thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. I hope everybody, you know, chooses wisely for their area. And, again, nobody's trying to make a bad kayak. We certainly aren't, and we're really proud of what we've done. I'm proud of what Shane's team uh, is putting on the market. And, uh, hey, man. Time to go fishing, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Anytime, guys. Uh, you're more than welcome to back on here. Anytime that you want to talk about something that you guys got coming out. So, Man, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. No, not I'll a problem. see you guys out on the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Hey, I'll I'm sorry about that, Woody. Go ahead. What were you saying, man? Might be gone. Oh, might be gone. <laughs> uh, might be other. <laughs> I did not mean to do that at all. I thought I cut off. <laughs> Woody, I'm apologizing. Hold on a second, man. Come on. That's the only way you can get him to shut up. <laughs> hey, Woody, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off like that, man. Oh, are you trying to say there? Hey. Anyway, hey, man, I enjoyed it. You guys take care, and I am out of here. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All Thanks right, later. Later. Well, everybody, thanks for stopping by this evening. Uh, it's been an absolute blast to have Woody and Shane on. You guys are uh, they're industry leaders in kayak design, that's for sure. They've got a lot of great products coming out. Uh, you know, Slayer Propel, Ultimate FX. You get a chance, go over to Native's website, check out their full line of products. They got a lot of neat stuff, a lot of stuff that uh, flat fishermen will enjoy, with, and as well as lake fishermen, uh, ocean. I mean, you name it. They've got something that will pretty much capture it all. But uh, we'll be back next week, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I am Jaron Wassel. This is Yak Fishing Texas. Be sure to go over to the Facebook page, give us a like. And until next week, uh, we'll see you then in tight lines.